listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Hey, One of Us Network listeners, this is Trevor from the Nighthawks podcast, invading your space to ask you to give us a spin if you like movies. And I'm Matt, joining Trevor to ask you to join our cult. May not be a cult. Probably a cult. On the Nighthawks podcast, we cover new movies, old movies, great movies, bad movies, so bad they're good movies. And we cover movies from Norway. One movie from Norway, one time. So far. And it was a really good movie from Norway. It is a good movie from Norway. It's got Stellan Skarsgård. Matt, this is a promo for our podcast, the Nighthawks podcast. Do you want people to listen to the podcast, or do you want them to watch In Order of Disappearance? Wasn't that the point of covering In Order of Disappearance on the podcast, to get people to watch it? Fair enough. Watch In Order of Disappearance, and then afterwards listen to our Nighthawks podcast episode on it. Or you could listen to an episode on any of the over 120 other movies we've covered. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, and at nighthawkspodcast.com. Now, I've heard a lot of talk about this already on Twitter and what have you. You know, film Twitter is arg. But people getting mad because people are pointing out about the new Conjuring film, which they point out every time there's a new Conjuring film, that the main characters on which it's based on, you know, the whole put in serious quotes and then three more quotes based on a true story (laughs) played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga playing Ed Warren and Lorraine Warren, who were real life couple who were paranormal investigators. People love to point out the moment anyone says they like a Conjuring film. Yeah, but they were terrible people, and that was all bullshit. I don't disagree with you that they were probably, in my opinion, grief vampires and hoaxers. There's certainly more than enough evidence to suggest that they were utterly full of shit. But man, I can't let that get in the way of a good story. (laughs) And guess what? They dead. They ain't getting no paychecks no more. (laughs) So fuck it. I just don't care. The moment Lorraine Warren died, I was like, oh, I don't feel guilty anymore of liking the Conjuring films. Unfortunately, then we have the Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> I'm like, damn it! This is the one I can go proudly. Yes, finally, no sense of leftover guilt. And it's just okay. I didn't hate it. Didn't really like it that much either. I don't know. Well, I think I mean, we're done. It's... <laughs> yeah, are we done? Okay, good. Thanks, everyone. Great review. No, I mean, this is the first one that they didn't give a number, but it is The Conjuring 3, despite being, I believe, the eighth entry in the Conjureverse, because oh, yeah. there's a lot of spinoffs. Some of which are truly awful. Some of which are not bad. Like the two Annabelle sequels. I don't mean Annabelle 1. God help us. That's a piece of shit. But Annabelle 2 and 3 are surprisingly pretty good. When they announced that the director of the single worst spinoff, The Curse of La Llorona, was doing this, I went, oh, fuck. Oh, well, there we go. I guess the series is gone. Because James Wan directed the first two. And I think the first one is one of the scariest ghost movies ever made. I'd go back and rewatch it all the time. 
every time I see it, it gets to me. And I'm like, shit, now I can't like take a shower till someone gets home. <laughs> <laughs> the cats will like tip something over and make it a sound. I'll be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm not a believer, but I am after I see a truly scary movie. And here's some worse news. This is written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick. Okay, you're like, I don't know who that is. Well, yeah, there's a good reason you don't know who that is. Although he was involved with co-writing the story of the second one. The second one's not as good as the first one. It's still pretty good. He also is listed as co-writing this one, but from all reports, James Wan was largely just executive producing this thing. And the other films written by this guy were Orphan, Red Riding Hood, Wrath of the Titans, and Aquaman. And I'm like, oh, So no. he's a studio writer. That explains yeah. the water in this but, movie. Hey, the good news is this is probably the best movie I've seen yeah. by him. Oh, man. <laughs> Say, I hope that is not a quote that ends up on Rotten Tomatoes. This is hands down the best movie I've ever seen by the guy who wrote Orphan. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on another, like I said, real-ish story, the trial of Arne Cheyenne Johnson. It was a murder trial in 1981 in Connecticut. It is notable in that it was the first time in America someone used I was possessed by the devil <laughs> as their reasoning for why they committed murder and not guilty. Spoiler. It didn't work. <laughs> but it's one of the reasons people, I think, in particular are mad about this film as opposed to the others, because it's often thought that the Warrens, the paranormal investigator couple, were the ones that pushed these people to make this claim because immediately they started vying for book and movie deals, even as the trial was beginning to take place. You're like, oh, Jesus, fuck. enough about the real life Warrens, because who cares? This is about this movie where in 1981, we see them dealing with the exorcism of a small child, an eight year old David, which is, wow, surprisingly really intense. Yeah, yeah that was a good sequence. We've all seen a lot of exorcism films, and this one does not hold back. It's like, wow, that that was good. You know, it, it plays a lot of the same tricks, but it does it very, very well. But we do see what, towards the end of the sequence, what is basically going to be, we know, where this thing is going, is the older brother grabs the kid and is like, take me instead, take me instead. I'm like, dude, didn't you watch The Exorcist? This, does not <laughs> this movie definitely well. did. That scene is like the last part of The Exorcist entirely. Even when the priest gets out of the camp. <laughs> It's the same shot. <laughs> Obviously, an exorcism movie, it's kind of on the nose to literally do the shot from the exorcist yeah. thing. Uh, that anyway, punches I, you in the nose. Oh, my God. That's that shot where they did the whole thing with, oh, my God, I bet you've never seen this movie that we're paying homage to. <laughs> that's when I had my Star Wars moment where I was like, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Another thing they do that changes and sets up a larger running premise of this is that during this experience, the demon basically fucks with Ed Warren's heart. In real life, Ed Warren did, in fact, have a heart attack during one of their investigations. It was not this one, but who cares? <laughs> uh, but he has serious heart problems. And now he's like, you know, he gets out of breath really easy. He has to walk with a cane, making it where a lot more of the action is going to depend on Vera Farmiga, Lorraine Warren's character. And that does continue throughout this as Vera decidedly becomes the primary character, not just through that, but because this really lays in heavy on a part that's only been kind of tertiary explored in the other films, that Lorraine is psychic and can like read sensations of things and tell when things happen. And it really plays heavy into that. It really plays heavy into more of the Christian angle, which was always there. But the idea that, okay, this is like God versus the devil stuff, which you know, your results are going to vary. For me, that always brings something down a little bit. But, you know, it depends on how well it's done. I mean, it's an exorcism movie. It's hard not. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, well, it's actually like a, a New Zealand god. So, <laughs> so it's totally different. 
the point being is this moves on to where we see eventually shit starts going wrong with the older brother. There's a murder, a rather vicious one, and the Warrens become involved. Everything so far so good, despite the fact it's not a haunted house story, the first one that's not. Okay, this feels like a Conjuring movie. And then there's a satanic cult that is causing things to happen that will be your nemesis. We're setting up more of the franchise, which I didn't even realize they actually set this up in the first Annabelle movie, the satanic (sighs) cult. I mean, it's a successful franchise. All the movies make a shit ton of money. In fact, this already beat A Quiet Place 2 in theaters on the first weekend, which was previously the biggest R-rated release of the year. Say what you will about it. It's bigger. It's a lot sillier (laughs) and it's going different places, but is it scary? Is it good? That's what I'm here to ask these guys about. I've got Adrian. What's up? I'm Adrian and I'll never understand how people think Aquaman is a genuinely good movie. (laughs) brought it up earlier. (laughs) Uh, Marcos. Afternoon. Never seen a Conjuring movie before. What? Yeah, this is also starting a trend for this podcast, because later I'm going to do Fast 9. Haven't seen one since one. Oh my god. <laughs> but then we've got Melina, who I believe has seen all of the films in the series. Yes, and Marcus, I'm so sorry that this is your introduction. I'm sure you're not being like, I'm going to go right out and watch the first two after this. I love the first movie. I think it's easily the best of all of them. Although I will say, I think the second one has great moments and it, I think, may have my favorite shot in all of horror and that is the nun standing in the hallway with, I think, Tiny Tim yodeling in the background. Two of the scariest (laughs) things put together. But yeah, I was dying to see this. I jumped onto it as soon as I saw that you guys were going to review it, but the trailer was not out yet. I wish I had seen the trailer before signing up because the moment I saw it, I was like, ah, crap. (laughs) It got me the moment that you've got Patrick Wilson who looks at the camera and says, every time someone swears on the Bible, the court acknowledges the existence of God. Well, it's time that they believe in the devil too. And I was like, oh, shit. That's the most egregious religious moment in this entire thing, no question, where I was like, look, I'm an agnostic, but I try not to be the angry one. But that was like, come on, you're pushing it a little far now. Sorry, I'll get off my high horse or my low horse, depending on your point of view. (laughs) I'll I'll say this. I'm quite a fan of these movies for the most part, especially the first Conjuring. I mean, for a franchise that's now kind of feels samey, even in their kind of spinoff movies, you kind of know what kind of scares you're going to get. That first Conjuring movie was a breath of fresh air in terms of, like, blockbuster horror movies. It was scary as shit. And I was kind of hoping this would be kind of like the third Insidious. I think the third Insidious movie is the scariest one. This was not. You know, I'm kind of glad I could just watch this at home. Because I feel like I would have been kind of disappointed seeing this in theaters. I didn't really find this too scary, aside from that first possession scene that was kind of cool maybe i'm just so used to these type of scares that's like i know when something's gonna pop up and when something pops up it's not too great there's a couple demons later on where it's like that's actually kind of spooky looking but it's more of like an admiration for the design rather than i feel scared right now everyone seems jaded with this movie i really like the first 15 minutes a lot everyone's like oh cool you'll love the first two movies and then The rest of this movie is not horror. It's a crime thriller with paranormal elements. That's all this movie Mm -hmm. is. So I kind of enjoy it because it's kind of fresh, for a movie at least. The TV shows have been doing that for a while. So because it was new to me, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought the nemesis was always there in all the other movies as well. It's insinuated in the other movies, not that there's some sort of human nemesis really or cult or anything, but there is a darker force that is aware of the Warrens, which, you know... In the context of them hunting down really seriously bad ghosts, 
Of course there is. <laughs> they gotta be pissed. Like, oh, you keep getting in my way, you meddling kids. <laughs> but it just came across as silly. And I know he's playing on the satanic panic of the 80s, which was a terrifying thing, not because any part of it was real, but that people believed it. And it really caused real problems and violence because of people and, and a lot of prejudice because of people believing it, all the bullshit that came out of it. Here, it's like, it's all real. I'm like, oh, God. The fact that this does take place in the 80s and having looked it up on Wikipedia, this truly was the first time that someone tried the whole uh, not guilty by reason of demonic possession in the United States. And I'm like, yeah, it's no coincidence that this would have been something that people tried to use during the 80s. And I have absolutely no doubt that that had nothing to do with whether or not the devil had anything to do with it. But the fact that the lawyers knew that the public knew a lot about that and they could totally piggyback off of that. And in terms of getting handed down a punishment, it did kind of in the grand scheme of things work. I don't want to be too hard on this film either. I think my biggest problem with it is that I'm just disappointed it, that the first two I think are quite good. And this one is everything here we've seen before. It's kind of predictable. They didn't, I feel like skimp in terms of the budget. Everything looks good. You know, I'm like, there's no point where I'm like, oh, that looks totally fake and terrible. And there's some scares that are halfway decent, but you can see them coming from really far away. And it's a totally different game playing a exorcism demon possession movie than it is a ghost movie. I remember when they said they were going to go this way, I went, oh, for fuck's sake, y'all are making a huge mistake getting away from what makes the Conjuring films work. I wouldn't be surprised if the next one is the werewolf story, because yes... <laughs> the Warrens claimed at one point they dealt with a demon spirit werewolf. Isn't that just a werewolf? That's fine. There's a movie that I'm very excited to see, and that's Antlers. Now I'm terrified that the twist of that movie is going to be that this was part of the controversy the whole time, and Ed and Lorraine are totally going to show up at the end. I'm like, oh crap, now I'm terrified. And not the way I want to be about that. The person they cast as the villainous character when we finally see them, Eugenie Bondurant, she's a creepy looking lady. <laughs> <laughs> and before that you've got like john noble as a character comes in who everybody loves he was on fringe he's he's so good he mainly plays villains but a lot of the time he plays with a sweet kindly but knowledgeable a little bit crazy guy you know like he did on fringe mm -hmm. and here he's kind of more of the latter you know you're like you're spooky but i don't get the sense that you're a bad guy either but there was something about him being in this and the way he's introduced and the way they introduce this whole sort of side storyline is they're trying to do the procedural to track down the history of people getting possessed and similar to this other possession that really feels very TVE. It's like a whole season of that show Evil compressed into one movie. I mean, I compared it to Law and Order. I mean, but for everybody complaining this, like, oh, well, it's based on true events. It's like the true events are in the first 30 minutes. Afterwards, I'm sure there's no evil fortress on the coast. But are you sure, sure? Because, you know, if there's even a chance, Marcus, maybe we should go and look right now. I mean, if there's a satanic inventory somewhere and then a church underneath it, I guess it should probably be a dead giveaway from the start. Let's go to final thoughts. Marcos, keep going into those. I thought this movie was okay. The same kind of rating as everyone else is going to give it, I assume. Six out of ten black candles. It was a good intro to the Conjuring verse because it only gets better, is what I'm being told. <laughs> yeah, going backwards, it does. <laughs> Melina. 
I'm a huge fan of the first two movies. I went back and watched them again in preparation for this one, just so I had an excuse. This one, I liked that first ten minutes, like we've all said. I thought that was actually really creepy. All of them always have that great setup scene where, you know, you get introduced to people in this really creepy way, and it totally throws you right into what the, the Warrens have to deal with. What the first two have that this one, I think, is lacking is the fact that you really are connected to not just the Warrens, but the people who they're coming in to help. You get to know all of them, and you feel so connected to them because you're watching the buildup of whatever the entity is just continuing to get stronger and scarier. So you're afraid for them the whole time. This one, the kid who may or may not have done something possessed by the devil, he's barely in it. They keep kind of coming back to him in ways where you're like, I feel like they're doing this because they feel like they need to. The rest of it is the Warrens doing pretty questionable to just flat out illegal things that (laughs) is probably not the best way you want to handle something if you're that close to this person maybe getting the death penalty or not and the ending i just was like i don't even know where this came from it feels like you could have written anything in there and it would have made just as much sense i will not be going back and revisiting this one but i will say it didn't hurt my feelings toward the first two films i will happily go watch them again many more times i'm gonna give this four out of ten really sharp suits that patrick wilson wasn't wearing in this one adrian you know i feel like the lack of polish in this movie it made it easy to see all the kind of flaws that people point out when movies like this come out like i've seen people label the conjuring universe as republican horror and stuff like that like it's very conservative and I've always thought, who gives a shit? It's ghosts. You know, there's only, you're either going to know that this is something yeah. kind of faith-based or you're not. It's magic, essentially. This one, I kind of noticed it more where it's like, oh yeah, this is kind of a conservative film. There's a white dude who very clearly killed somebody and everyone's like, don't worry, man, we're going to get you out of this. <laughs> um, they, they say everything, but you're lucky you're not black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, there's a character in this who his whole job is to be like, isn't it crazy that it's 1981 right now and we're living in the 80s? It seems so obnoxious that it's almost kind of like, why is this even in here? I thought the scares were not that scary. I mean, like they're jump scares. I think there's a scene with a morgue that was kind of cool, but it's cool in the sense of like, when I was playing the new Resident Evil game, it's like, oh shit, we're in a dungeon. What's going to happen here? You know? like, <laughs> it's cool in the sense of like, well, let's see what they're going to do. And they don't really do a lot. Uh, they're clearly setting up more films. For a film series that started off as like, I love all of this. It really has gotten to like, I can skip the next maybe four or five before I have to go back and revisit this. This was just not that great. It should have been at least like, damn, that was really cool type quality for these films. And this was just like, eh, fuck it. I'm going to give it two slimy, bloaty bodies out of five. (laughs) Which I'll say, there's a sequence, yeah, in a morgue where Vera Farmiga's character, Lorraine, has to hold on to the hand of a waterlogged corpse. That's maybe, other than the opening, the best sequence in the film. But shouldn't the big, crazy climax have been the scariest sequence? And it's very... Eh, it's fine, I guess. It kind of went exactly where we thought it would. And the real problem with this film is, although I'll fully admit, the second film has this ghost character out of nowhere. They're like, what does he have to do with anything? It's like, nothing, but we might get around to him in a future film. <laughs> totally oh, like, yeah. <laughs> we just put him in there so you'd be like, wait, what? Like, don't worry about it. We'll tell you later. This film is all about, like, building the Conjuring verse, and it's kind of annoying. It's like, okay, just tell this story and stop worrying about trying to set up this bigger picture. You've done fine so far just hinting at shit, and this one's like, 
all over that. They've really kind of made the Lorraines from paranormal investigators to Christian superheroes with superpowers. And that also is kind of annoying. You know, it's better when they're the audience avatar and not really the main characters, when the people getting investigated are the main characters. Those are better because you really care about what happens to them here because it focuses so much on the Warrens and they're decidedly the primary characters. Something is lost. Both the previous two films, like I said earlier, I didn't want to be alone. I turned all the lights in the house on. I mean, I'm not a believer, but I can convince myself to be a believer to enjoy some good horror entertainment for the period of it. And if a film keeps me feeling that way for a couple hours afterwards, well, shit, you did your job, dog. This one did not do its job, dog. (laughs) Conjuring (laughs) 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. It's fine, I guess. I mean, I'm jaded. I'm a big horror fan. I watch a ton of horror. And the fact this is the third film in a series that the first two were as good as they were adds to the disappointment. I'm not going to deny that for me. If I had just seen this one, I would have gone, yeah, it's better than a lot of the Hollywood release exorcism films that are out there, but it's nothing I'll probably revisit. I'm going to give this five out of ten episodes of Millennium that would have been fine if this was part of that larger universe, but it's not, so meh. I forgot it has a tacked on extra end after the resolution. Oh my god. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to take off it a does whole that black candle Zack away Snyder because shit. of that. It's 5 out of 10. I forgot <laughs> about that. Here's the ending and here it is again just in case you somehow didn't understand. Yeah. What I just happened? They had Sam Jackson come in and ask them to be part of the new Avengers initiative he's forming. It was really weird. 